Hey, hello everyone. Welcome to the July Essential Vegan Desserts live event. I'm Fran Costigan, the director of Vegan Pastry at the Ruby Online Culinary School and the lead instructor for Essential Vegan Desserts. I'm so happy to be here. I hope everyone had a nice holiday weekend and are interested in this topic, sweeteners. This is a dessert course and we do use sweeteners. So I've got some new information if you've been getting alerts about news about some, what are they called? NSS, non-sugar sugars. I did some digging and I've got some really interesting information for you or in information that I hope you'll find interesting. So since this is a kind of a, you know, what came to mind is to say a meaty topic. It's not meaty in essential vegan desserts. I'm going to get started here. Just give me a moment, please, to adjust my computer. My tech skills have really improved. Thanks to Patrick, our engineer at Ruby. Thank you for his patience and help. So I believe before, we, before I get started on the topic of which is another look at sweeteners. I have talked about sweeteners in the past, but it's a very deep subject. I think it's appropriate to define desserts and then talk about ingredient functionality. So, you know, what is a dessert actually? It probably means different things to different people. Oftentimes a dessert is considered a celebratory, a celebratory cake. For example, we have birthdays, we have weddings, we have holiday desserts that are expected. Oftentimes desserts from memory. Personally, I am not a person who likes to have a piece of cake after a meal. I like that as a set in a different part of the day, perhaps, but I do love a cookie after a meal. To me, it's like an, an exclamation point. The meal is finished and I happen to like crunchy cookies. It's so personal, isn't it? And, you know, when I was in Italy a couple of times with the Vigano Italiano tour, and that was just a ball, dessert was oftentimes beautiful, perfectly ripe peach from the region set in a bowl of ice. And we were given a plate and a knife to cut this peach. So all of that can be desserts. But you know, the well, you know, or you don't know, but I'm going to tell you that for sure, the demand for vegan desserts in the marketplace has absolutely exploded, absolutely exploded. So if you're in the hospitality business or considering it, I can assure you that serving a fruit plate to your customers is the equivalent of serving your vegan customers, maybe a bowl of pasta with some vegetables on it. And that is not really uh, something that people are going to be happy with. 
and you know we we need to learn to make desserts but that's that's a really you know it's kind of i'm trying to search for the right word but first because desserts mean different things to different people we're going to talk about all the different kinds that will suit hopefully suit your lifestyle now many of you have listened to me before and thank you very much for that so likely you've heard these two stories true events that led me to realizing the necessity of creating vegan desserts that were superb that were reliable the results were good every single time and a dessert that would satisfy everyone not only people with dietary considerations so bear with me again if you've heard these stories please and the first one is my son who said when i changed my diet and thought well i'm not going to do desserts and he said mom you cannot put a candle in a sweet potato and tell me that's my birthday cake now that was true for him and that led me to create a test kitchen and see what I could do to make vegan desserts that would taste really, really good, not good for what it is. For some people, some kind of an equivalent of a baked sweet potato with or without that birthday candle will be okay. I did a cake once for a client and I believe Chad Sarno, Chef Chad, did this for his oldest son's first birthday, but cut a chunk, a round of watermelon and another one and another and actually made a tiered birthday cake with watermelon replacing the cake layers and lots of fruit. That works too, but that's not going to be for everyone. My next story was when I did get a job, my first job as a vegan pastry chef, way long ago when we didn't have the ingredients that were available to us today. I worked at a restaurant in Hell's Kitchen in New York called Luma. And I wanted to reduce the amount of sweetener in the desserts that I was charged to make. I was not making my own desserts at that time. I was following the restaurant's recipes, but I took most of the sugar out and, you know, because I'm going back such a long time ago, I believe that the sugar we were using was maple sugar, very expensive sugar. So my boss said, hey, Costigan, you're making brownies, not brown bread. While most desserts we can reduce, or let's say old-fashioned desserts really had a lot more sugar in them than we use today, I believe it was perhaps to mask the taste of the flavors, some off flavors. And also one of the things that sugar, I'm gonna say sugar and sweetener kind of interchangeably here, it prolongs shelf life or counter life or you know, the dessert will last longer. A dessert that is low fat and low sugar will dry out faster. I keep those in the freezer. I keep a lot of desserts in the freezer. So it was time to create these desserts and I wanted to maintain certain criteria, criteria being that they would be absolutely delicious and that I would use wholesome ingredients as 
the least amount of processing possible. There would be some processing for sure. And I didn't want to use ingredients that were hard to source. So the kind of dessert that you are desiring, the, the global you will be personal, I'm sure. You know, for me, it was the Evendris blackout cake. The, it's a cake, it's three layers of chocolate cake filled and frosted with chocolate pudding and crumbs thrown all over the cake. And that's because my dad picked that up every Sunday and that became my favorite. I mean, chocolate cake and chocolate pudding, like what could be bad? Now, let me stop here and talk about the chocolate pudding. I have a recipe for almost, it's called almost instant chocolate pudding. It's cocoa powder. It's organic cornstarch. This is one recipe where you cannot substitute arrowroot. So I use organic cornstarch. You could use tapioca if you have a corn allergy, but you have to play around a little bit. These starches are not all the same. You know, people say to me all the time, will it make a difference if? And my answer is sometimes before I hear the whole rest of the question is, yeah, probably will make a difference. Well, plant milk instead of dairy milk. And then there is granulated sweetener. You can use organic cane sugar which is not white sugar. I'm going to talk about it a little bit more. It hasn't been filtered through bone char. That's what makes it vegan. It isn't pure white. If you mix it with a liquid, you're going to have a slight beige blonde tint, unlike white table sugar, which is absolutely pure and almost a chemical. It's been refined so much. This chocolate pudding tastes great with coconut sugar as well. So there's an option. Or whole cane sugar, which is sugar cane dehydrated with all of the molasses that is inherent in the cane intact. So it's going to give a slightly different flavor, but I've made it all those different ways and it's been fine for people who don't want to use organic cane sugar, coconut sugar is a great option. You do need most often to grind it. It's a little bit, it's clunky. And the whole cane sugar is definitely clunky. So I have some right here. You can see my sugars. This is my coconut sugar. And I have it in this container that's airtight and labeled because you know can make can get confused this is organic brown sugar i bought it really just because i was interested in the fact that it was organic and all the rest i'll get those later this i've got some super fine date sugar here i don't use this in cakes but the super fine is very nice and <laughs> I have containers all over the place. And this is Sucanat, which is a, an acronym for Sugar Cane Natural from Wholesome Sweeteners. You've probably seen Rapidora as well in this country. This is finely ground because this is very coarse. This is cane sugar with all of the molasses in the sugar retained 
This, I talked about this in my last live event on sweeteners. This is powdered black Okinawan sugar. It's not black, as you can see. It's said to be very mineralized and very good for you. I'm going to put this out here right now. And of course, you all have your own opinions. I'm offering what I think. I don't think any sweetener is necessarily good for you. The less refined ones like maple sugar, which is just maple syrup with the water boiled off. I've done it on my own. Or the non-centrifugal sugars like Pilanchillo and Jaggery. This actually, this is a cube of maple sugar. They do retain some of the vitamins, some of the minerals, some of the fiber that's inherent in what it is that, you know, in the maple syrup, in the cane, but you would have to eat a lot. Eat, eat those beans that are over my shoulder, eat grains and think of desserts as a treat. Now, sugar has a number of functions beyond flavoring and sweetening. It plays vital roles in the pastry kitchen. Chemical reactions are going on when ingredients are put together. So using more or less sweetener or a different sweetener from what the recipe specified is going to impact your results. Sugar affects the texture and color of baked goods. There is some small amount of leavening that happens when sugar is creamed with fat. And there is the Mallard reaction, which we talk about in essential vegan desserts. And I would say most pastry courses. I think plant-based pro does as well. The mallard reaction is browning aroma and caramelization. So when baked goods are exposed to heat, the sugar browns and develops a deep flavor and color without using some sweetener, baked goods, muffins, cakes, cupcakes, and well, I'm just trying to think of all, you know, everything would taste bland and the texture would likely be dense and dry. And then sugar adds moistness to your product, to your product. So all sugars are hygroscopic, meaning they hold lick, they hold moisture, they hold water, they're water attracting because organic vegan sugar, coconut sugar are not highly refined. They tend to be even more hygroscopic. So our baked goods actually are nice and moist. They're not the dry, <laughs> assuming you followed a good recipe and made, you know, a, a good recipe and followed it and everything should be fine. So the type of sugar really does matter. Now, if you are someone who chooses not to use any sweetener, in other words, you want to do a no sweetener added dessert, well, there is an abundance of, of desserts that you can do that are no sugar added. In essential vegan desserts, we spend, we have a whole unit on using agar, which is one of the secret ingredients, uh, 
heroes for vegan desserts. It is vegetable gelatin. It's seaweed from seaweed, and it has been used for millennia in Asian desserts. Agar gels went, don't need any added sweetener. Poached, baked, roasted, or grilled fruit. If your fruit is good, you don't have to add any sweetener. If your fruit is a little underripe or a little meh, it's out of season. And sometimes even in season, you get some fruit home and it isn't fabulous. Try grilling it with a little of, uh, we have a balsamic reduction that we do in essential vegan desserts and it's fabulous. But you see the high heat from roasting your fruit is going to caramelize the natural sugars that are in the fruit. I happen to love poached, baked, roasted, and grilled fruit a lot. Now, you can do a parfait with a little bit of cream. It can be a tofu cream or a cashew cream or any number of creams, some crunchy bits, and fruit. So let me show you something. And I love my new fridge. So this is the beginning of a parfait that I would make. I've got lots of blueberries on the bottom. I have strawberries on the top that were not very tasty. It's definitely strawberry time of the year, but these didn't have a lot of taste. I cooked them down with a little bit of liquid and a little bit of an arrowroot slurry, and I got these nice strawberries. And what's in the top was a raspberry ice cream. The base was my the vanilla cashew cream that is in the course. And then I added lots of raspberries and strawberries and got this beautiful color and churned it in my new ice cream machine, which I absolutely love. But here it is as not quite ice cream anymore. As a parfait, I would probably put some nuts on here to add a crunch. I'm definitely going to eat this after the um, event because it's fabulous. Here's another idea for a dessert that's super simple and crazy yummy. So these look like they look like candy candy bars, right? What it is is it's a majol date that I opened up. I didn't cut them in half. I just opened them, took out the pit. By the way, when you're doing that, you want to make sure to look inside the date because every once in a while you get one that is dark inside and then it's no good. So what these, here you go. These dates were stuffed with peanut butter and enrobed in chocolate. If you don't want to use that much chocolate, you can leave it off. Dates and all dried fruits are naturally sweet. And what happens is you don't need to use any additional sweetener when you're working with dried fruit. So that's a way that you can actually cut back on the amount of sweetener. I'm going to take a pause here and ask Patrick to show the video of making a fruit paste because they're really handy. We tend to think of date paste, but I do prune, puree or paste, apricot, mango, 
These are all really nice sweeteners when used appropriately. Fruit pastes are a great way to add a natural, whole food sweetness to your cooking. To make a fruit paste, simply soak dried fruit in water until it is soft and pliable like this. Here we have soaked apricots, mangoes, and dates. Drain the soaked fruit and add it to a high-speed blender. Top off with just enough water to blend the fruit. You can always add more water if needed. Blend on low to break up the fruit, and then gradually turn up the speed to achieve a nice smooth consistency. Depending on the fruit used, each will lend a unique flavor profile to whatever you are preparing. For instance, date paste lends itself well to oatmeal, whether it's added as a sweetener or whether it's used as a garnish. Tropical fruit paste lend themselves well to many Asian dishes. Their highly concentrated flavor also makes for a good addition to many desserts. You can even make your own healthy chutneys using fruit paste. All right, so it's quite simple to take these. I have dates here. I have date paste in my freezer. I've got dried mangoes here. When I use, when I purchase dried fruits, I buy sulfite-free, sulfite-free fruits because I don't want sulfur in my fruits. And um, I will tell you, I really had forgotten, so those are dried mangoes, I have dried apricots there, I have dried, I have prunes, which are dried plums, but what I had forgotten about is that dates are not dried fruit, actually, they're fruit that gets drier as they ripen, so you want to get some nice moist one. Now, I don't use fruit paste when I'm making a batter-based dessert. I don't use them in cakes, but I use them in many other ways as a sweetener because they are really sweet. I have taken, for example, this vanilla pastry cream that I've talked about, or you take a basic cashew cream and instead of adding organic cane sugar, you can add dates and you can't call it vanilla pastry cream anymore because it's going to be kind of brown and caramel caramelized flavor in flavor but it works great and that's what i did to make this yummy ice cream that chef kathy and gold and i shared last night patrick let's have a photo of let's look at that photo of the um this is what i would call a party dessert it is, um, I had made aquafaba, which if there is anyone here who doesn't know what it is, that is the water left from cooking chickpeas. I have a way of doing it, taking this liquid from cooking chickpeas, aquafaba, water, beans, and uh, reducing it so that it works every single time. And yesterday I noticed I had about a half a cup in my fridge and I needed to use it. So I whipped it up and it was really nice. 
and I decided to just smear it on a plate. Normally you would make um, some meringue cookies or a pavlova or what, I mean, a chocolate mousse or lots of things you do with this meringue. And I just, I think because it was the 4th of July, I was feeling like I wanted to play around a bit. So I torched it and I really, with my culinary torch, I burned it because I like it really crunchy. And then I put some chocolate ganache on the top and then added a scoop of that ice cream. That is a dessert that I would call a special occasion party dessert to be shared. Aquafaba meringue. If there is anyone here who disagrees with me, let me know. <laughs> but I haven't found that it works with anything but cane sugar. And by cane sugar, I mean organic vegan cane sugar. And I grind mine. This is fine. You would call this castor sugar. It's the same thing. I do this in my blender. This is the organic cane sugar right out of the package. You see, it's a good thing that I have labels. And this one says lightly ground, and I use this in cakes and other batter-based desserts. Other desserts, the chocolate pudding I talked about, a cake, you can use coconut sugar or whole cane sugar if you prefer, but not aquafaba. I would love for you to see this photo of a ganache glazed chocolate cake that a guest made last week when I was the visiting guest cooking teacher at Rancho La Puerta Spa. What's interesting about that, so we used coconut sugar, we used whole wheat pastry flour, that's my famous chocolate cake to live for. The cake should be baked in an eight or nine inch round pan. But in fact, it was baked. I don't know if it was intentional, but it was done in a 10 inch. Of course, we baked it for a shorter period of time that gave a very thin layer, but it served so many people. And the ganache is made with a high percentage chocolate. The higher the percentage, the less sugar is in the is added to the sugar and plant milk. And honestly, I find that that's healthier than eating a bite of chocolate, even high percentage, because you're getting some protein from the plant milk. And it was just gorgeous. The edible flowers, of course, were stunning. Those came right from the ranch garden. I would say that if I have a soapbox to stand on, it is this statement, which is make desserts that really taste good, that are appropriate for you, for the people you're serving. A birthday dessert, a wedding dessert, a Thanksgiving dessert is going to be richer than every day, but I don't actually eat desserts every single day. The trick is, or what's logical to me, is to serve a much smaller portion and fill the plate out with food. Don't serve on a giant plate. 
this way, you will be satisfied. Believe me, you may have experienced this, but when you're looking for something sweet and it doesn't deliver, your, your body isn't going to be so happy about that. So I want to talk about the new, what I call the new elephant in the room with regard to sweeteners, specifically the NSS, non-sugar sugars. And that is actually what they're called. So most are labeled as, I have to get to my page here, ADI, which means there is an acceptable daily intake. Honestly, when I hear that, when a problem with a particular foods has come to light and they say, well, you can have this much in a period of time. I normally, for me, that's code for, I don't think I'm going to eat that anymore. And these sweeteners, and there are many of them, are GRAS, grass, generally regarded as safe. So there is a link in the Q&A on the dashboard in this event to a statement from the World Health Organization. It's a paper advising against the use of these sweeteners for weight, for weight control. It, that's why people were using them. It seems that that is not happening. The recommendation applies to all synthetic and naturally occurring or modified non-nutritive sweeteners that are not classed as sugars. So let's look at some of these sugars. I've got these buckets of sugars. This is xylitol. Xylitol is probably, maybe, a sweetener that you have heard of. It is the same thing as birch sugar. That's important for you to know because this is toxic to dogs. So beware. Now, most of these sweeteners I have discovered by reading the labels are mixed with other ones. But this xylitol was said to be really good for um, tooth health. This one says all natural birch sweetener and it's birch xylitol. Keep it away from your pets. This is erythritol is a very important topic right now. In my previous live event on sweeteners, the question came up, is it safe? And I answered, yes, it is from everything that I have heard. And I know Dr. Greger was recommending this as a good sweetener to use. It's a sugar, it's a class of sugar alcohol. I said, yes, as far as I know. Well, Dr. Greger, and I have this link in the Q&A as well, nutritionfacts.org. And I imagine that at least some of you are familiar with Dr. Michael Greger, nutritionfacts.org. This is his update to the use of erythritol. Though the observational data does appear rife with reverse causation, a new study published interventional data in mice and blah, 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 suggests erythritol may indeed be harmful. And I urge everyone to stop consuming it until we know more. So I would say that's a reason to stop consuming it. One small study 
suggested that erythritol consumption could increase the chance of blood shots. Two larger studies showed a noticeable correlation between elevated erythritol and the risk of cardiovascular events and increased blood clot formation. So I think this is important for everyone to know. I'm, you know, I'm the messenger. You, it's, you are all intelligent people. You take this information, do some research and decide what works for you. And that's what you're going to do. I have never used these sweeteners because to me, they are refined. Take allulose, which really became the darling sweetener for a while. Here's one from Wholesome. Here's one from Trader Joe. Now, allulose is available in both granulated and liquid forms. It is definitely promoted, promoted as a natural sweetener because it's found in nature in jackfruit, dried fruit, and even molasses. However, <laughs> to be cost-effective in production, most, com most commercially available, available allulose, that's too many A's, is made from, is synthetically made from corn. To make allulose, the processor starts with corn and breaks it down and via the enzymatic conversion process using enzymes from genetically engineered microbe. The maximum recommended daily intake, the ADI is 30 grams per day. Uh, so for me, I didn't really like using it anyway. I find that all of these non-sugar sweeteners have a flavor that I don't like and they're hard to use. Monk fruit, sweeteners range from 100 to 250 times sweeter than sugar. If you, you know, I don't, I don't use it. Um, it has, in nature, it's a berry and it has a real off taste. I guess it's like quinoa has to be rinsed because quinoa in nature has a bitter taste to keep, bitter flavor to keep the birds away. The same with monk fruit, which is low Han, it has to be really processed in order to get it to the point that we can consume it without this off flavor. But monk fruit extract is most often blended with erythritol in order to taste and look more like table sugar. So if you look at all those things, you will see that they are blended. This one from King Arthur, and I'm a big King Arthur fan. It says baking sugar alternative, erythritol, soluble corn fiber, allulose, cane sugar derived fructan fiber, monk fruit extract, natural flavor, and stevia leaf flavor. And then, of course, here's our monk fruit. So I'm just saying, when, and when it comes to stevia, I use the leaf, I don't use the powder. If I, again, want to make it really clear that if any of you are happy with using these sweeteners, be careful about them. I'm not telling you not to use them. I'm just telling you what to do. So I think that I <laughs> have talked a lot and I think it's time for me to start answering questions. But I'm gonna ask Patrick to show you um, 
video of making uh, chocolate crostini. That's a dessert that is not very sweet or a snack, actually. These sweet yet savory chocolate crostinis make for an interesting hors d'oeuvre or afternoon snack. To make them is quite simple. Spread or drizzle toasted baguette with a quality bittersweet ganache. Drizzle the top with a bit of strong, peppery olive oil and garnish with a flaky finishing salt, such as Malden salt. Serve as is, or serve alongside some fresh fruit. Okay, everyone. So what I like about those crostini, obviously it's fast. I like to use a whole grain baguette so I get some nutrition there. And you can build it if you're a person that isn't concerned about using a little bit of oil. You can brush the toast with some oil or drizzle over the ganache. And ganache is something that I feel makes so many different desserts with not so much sugar when you use a high percentage chocolate. Um, I think it's really wonderful and it makes a lovely presentation. Now, Donna is asking me, what is nooch? And I think that's because in the write-up about this, we said something about nooch. So that is, Donna, a lot of people don't know what nooch is. It's nutritional yeast. This is one that I have. It has some B vitamins in it, so they say, but I know that it depends on the brand. I love the flavor. To me, it has a bit of a cheesy flavor. I like to sprinkle it on lots of different things. So I always have nooch around, nutritional yeast. And Miriam says nooch is nutritional yeast. I love it. Well, I do too, Miriam. Patricia has a question. Do you think there is a connection between gluten and sugar? I'm gluten-free and sometimes feel sugar can be a real problem. Well, Patricia, um, perhaps it's the sugar that's the problem for you as much as the gluten, but I, I have not heard that there was a connection. Essential Vegan Desserts is definitely not a gluten-free course, but I would say 50% of our recipes are gluten-free. And I have had people go through the course who are gluten-free, who haven't had any problems. So Patricia, it might be the kind of gluten, if you're talking about desserts, uh, desserts that you're making that's giving you a problem, start some kind of elimination. Cheryl D has a big question. I'd like to know the rules regarding reducing, substituting, or eliminating sugar from a recipe and how it will affect the outcome. If y'all have been here with me throughout, I went through a lot of that. The answer is there's no one rule, but you can be sure that eliminating sugars, substituting sugars from a recipe will most definitely affect the outcome. The example of chocolate pudding or chocolate cake, whether you use vegan cane sugar or coconut sugar or whole cane sugar, that's going to be okay. If you use coconut sugar in a lemon cake, 
that's not going to be so okay. It's going to be too strong for that. So in terms of whole foods, okay. I hope that answered your question, Cheryl. Karen P avoids all processed sweeteners, including maple syrup, molasses, dried fruits. What whole food sweeteners do you suggest? Well, Karen, I find myself a little puzzled by that because maple syrup is no nothing more than maple sap taken directly from the tree and boiled off. It is really an unprocessed sweetener. And certainly dried fruits, dates, that is a whole food. That is the fruit with the fiber intact. And so um, we, we showed a video on making the date paste. I'm a little bit confused as to where you are getting your information about these items not being sweeteners. Whole food sweeteners to me are dates, dried fruits, some maple syrup, perhaps. Um, and I think that works really well. Hi, Sonia. What natural sweetener is the healthiest? I've heard conflicting reports and now I'm confused. I'm not diabetic. Well, <laughs> this whole event has been about the conflicting reports. There is no one healthiest sweetener. It really depends on who you are. I can have some desserts with some cane sugar. I use just enough to make the dessert taste good and taste like a dessert, but not more. I tend to use more coconut sugar before people say to me, well, because of the glycemic index, I'd rather use coconut sugar, for example. Um, check out Brenda Davis, RD, and Vasanto Molina, and Jill Nussenau, these vegan RDs who really know a lot and have data to back it up. There's a difference between the glycemic index and the glycemic load. So it makes a difference what you've eaten beforehand. So Sonia, I don't have a one sweetener that I think is the healthiest for you, but stay away from the fakes. Uh, Cynthia writes that she always had a problem making cake with the quality of sweeteners on the shelves, which generally leave a chemical aftertaste. Yes, the sugar alcohols do leave a chemical aftertaste. She found RX sugar slash allulose, which is derived from figs and dates. And, and Cynthia's asking, do I think RX sugar is a good choice? Well, based on what I said just a little while ago, that allulose, the, and I looked up RX sugar when I saw this question, it is powdered allulose. It is not from figs and dates. It's from an enzymatic, I've got a lot of hard words today, enzymatic process using corn and corn that has perhaps been genetically modified. So it wouldn't be a good choice for me at all. Cynthia, if you're happy with it, go for it. Hi, Kathy. Here's my friend and neighbor and colleague, Kathy Gold, Chef Kathy Gold, with a question. And it was Kathy who shared that big, merangue, s'moresy kind of 
I said that that meringue with the chocolate with the ice cream was like I said on my Instagram page, if s'mores and an ice cream sundae had a baby, that's what it would be. If you want to look at my Instagram page, it's Good Cakes Fran. So Kathy has a really good question here. I'm not surprised. And she's saying, why does most 10X, that's confectioner sugar, contains cornstarch versus vegan or and or organic sugar, uh, 10X, that contains tapioca? Not all of the vegan confectioner sugar contain tapioca. I noticed that... Um, who is it? I have to think of the brand that will come to me when I'm finished with your question. Some still use organic cornstarch. That these are the, the sugars that are powdered and the starch in them is to keep them from clumping. Uh, I think, Kathy, that the answer probably is because most cornstarch is genetically modified. So this is mine and this is made with tapioca. I have absolutely noticed that organic organic and vegan sugars are one and the same. Almost they really are, but confectioner sugar that's made with tapioca needs to be sifted more than once. It's a little clunkier. Dan. Hi, Dan. It's good to see you. Dan is super colleague at Ruby, has written lots of courses. And whenever you see a live event that is starring Chef Dan, make sure to go. He knows so much. Dan is wishing me a belated happy birthday. Thank you, Dan. I had a really nice birthday this year. Okay, Patricia wants to know, are some sweeteners better than others in gluten-free baking or cooking? Not that I know of, Patricia. Not that I know of. Here's a question. How do you substitute oil in everyday recipes like curry, salads, etc.? Please list some common substitutes. Here, I will say that you can you know, in Ruby, in the um, plant-based pro, in forks over knives, I imagine in Culinary RX2, there are units in whole food plant-based no oil recipes. And I follow a very light, I have a light hand on oil. I am not strictly no oil but I do limit the amount of oil. So I would say, Sunri, that you can use water, you can use vegetable stock, lots of spices. Don't forget about herbs and spices. They not only add so much to your dish, to the flavor, but they're actually quite healthful. Uh, the person who is the queen, the absolute knows everything about whole food, plant-based, no oil cooking is Chef Charlene Nolan. And um, I would, you know, you can always reach out to Char at ruby.com. Oh, here's a link to my new ice cream maker because I'm kind of obsessed with it. It's a Ninja 
crummy breeze and I have a real serious commercial ice cream maker in my closet. I need two people to lift it. It's a compression unit. So you just plug it in <laughs> and it goes and it's wonderful. It's CMAC and it isn't made anymore, but I absolutely, I got this and I absolutely love it. And I've been able to make frozen desserts out of everything. I want to show you something. So this isn't going to be super frozen anymore, but I took a can of organic pineapple chunks from Native Farms, that's Edwards and Son, no sweetener, because I like the taste of pineapple by itself. I added some lime because I like that with many fruits. And then I went into my garden <laughs> and I picked my garden terrace and I picked some basil and I churned it in absolutely delicious. So how this works is you freeze in these canisters. It's if anybody here has worked in restaurants and is familiar with a Paco jet, that's where ice cream bases were made and you just plug it in and ready to go. It's so easy. It's so easy. I love it. Um, I really do, but I'm moderating the amount of frozen things that I'm making. Deeb wants to know what I think of monk fruit. Well, that is a, I mean, here's monk fruit, but let me tell you this monk fruit, almost all of the monk fruit that you see is mixed with erythritol. So Deeb, I don't use it. I don't like the flavor. I don't think it's healthful. And take a look in the Q&A. You'll see links to articles on why I don't think that they're a good idea. At Rancho La Puerta last week, though, they have, or maybe it was two weeks ago already, time is really flying. They always have um, dried, no, I'm thinking of stevia there, They, but they do. They have dried stevia leaves, and that's the way I use stevia. Trudy wants to know, can you suggest the best, easiest ways to use fresh cherries? I love cherries. And I have been eating so many cherries. I know there's a movie <laughs> where witches were eating a lot of cherries, but I love them. I do have a cherry pitter, but my grandchildren use a straw to take the pits out of the cherries. So go for that, Trudy. Uh, Michael wants to know, what's the advantage of organic materials over its conventional counterparts? Now, Michael, that's a really important question. I follow what's called the Dirty Dozen and the Clean 15 from the Environmental Working Group. So I choose not to eat any fruits or vegetables that are on the Dirty Dozen list. I definitely choose those to be my organic ones. Um, you know, it's really, it's what can I say? I think it's really messed up that we are still paying more money for organic produce instead of the ones that are grown with chemicals, herbicides, and pesticides. So for me, that's what it's about. It's about not having fruits and vegetables with pesticides and herbicides used in the production. Uh, Farmer Lee Jones says that his organic produce 
has more nutrition, this is a personal choice. You know, we really want to be able to, we want to eat fruits and vegetables, a lot of them, and eat the rainbow, vary them. Um, wash your fruits and vegetables really well, whether they're organic or conventional. So Michael, look at the dirty dozen and the clean 15 list. And I think there is an advantage to eating organic uh, produce when it's possible. Terry Lynn. Hi, Terry Lynn. It's always nice to see you. Terry Lynn says, I'm learning some new information about sugar and addiction. Your thoughts? Well, Sugar, uh, sugar can be addicting without a question. So, you know, that's something that you have to look into yourself about. We eat too much sugar in this country. When you think about that there's sugar in everything, if I can tell you one thing, it's to read labels. I mean, sometimes I'll look at a prepared food and think, why is there sugar in that? Or why is there sugar in toothpaste? Because naturally we as a people are, you know, early, early on the bitter flavors meant danger. Um, and the sweet ones go for it. So I think just moderating is the way to go. Patty is asking me why not use stevia powder? Well, there are two reasons for me. One is I don't like the taste. I think it has a bitter aftertaste. And the second reason is it is a non-sugar sugar and I don't want to use them. And look at the links that I put that I put in the Q&A and download them because there is some mention of stevia being on the not so good list. Wendy wants to know, what about using fruit juice as a sweetener? Fruit juice tends to be stripped of all the fiber. So I don't tend to use it. There was something on the market many, many, many years ago called the three peas. It was pineapple, peach, and pear. It was a sweetener that was supposed to be like the end all and be all before all of these came around and it turned out, I mean, you have to change the way you, you bake and, you know, the, your formula changes and so on. But the fact is that fruit juice, unless you make it yourself, you want to get a fruit juice that is no sugar added. I'd rather crush the whole fruit. Debbie says, I bake chocolate chip cookies with swerve xylitol. They did not bake the same. Well, that doesn't surprise me at all. Um, Lisa says, when cooking for a family, which natural sugar is tolerated best for most people? Lisa, I can't tell you that because we're all really individual. I can tell you as somebody who's working, <laughs> creating dessert recipes almost all the time, I'm quite sensitive. since, you know, I've been following a very healthful plant-based diet for 30 years now. I am sensitive to sweet. So if there's too much sugar, you know, I can feel it. I can feel it. Uh, Lisa, you're going to have to try to make things and see what people like the best. You can try some coconut sugar, maple syrup. 
I also neglected to say that I like date syrup as well as date paste. And I love sorghum syrup instead of molasses. It, it has that kind of a flavor, but slightly different, not as not as strong. And sorghum is a cereal grass. It's a cereal grass. You'll see sorghum flour as well as gluten-free. Um, Gloria is asking, is there a rule of thumb for adjusting sugar in high altitude areas when baking? Oh, I, uh, she just moved. I bet, <laughs> I bet you're having some problems. I have in the course, um, a document on adjusting for high altitude, Gloria, go ahead and Google it. And you will find that it won't, that you're going to get some really good guidelines. Go to universities, university websites in high altitude areas. They have the best information, but even so they're guidelines because it depends how high, how high it, it, you are. I think it's just fascinating. So Kathy C says, I tried a recipe that used date paste as a sweetener for cookies. The cookies weren't sweet at all. Can you use ground dates, other ground dried fruits as a sweetener? Um, you know, I would say in this case, I really like mixing sweeteners. So this is something that people are surprised about when they are adjust their palates are adjusting and they go, Oh, that's not very sweet for some people, Kathy, I bet your cookies were sweet. And for other people, they might not have been. Why don't you? And I always say, cut the recipe in half or maybe even buy a quarter and do a test. So to get your date, paste cookies sweeter. You can also add pieces of dried dates. They are sweeter than the dried. They're sweeter than the date paste because there's no liquid added at all. And you can also mix some dried fruits that are as sweet. I love using prune puree. I think it's sweet and rich. So try again, Kathy. Well, my goodness gracious, those were really good questions, everyone. Thank you so much for being here with me today. If you have any questions, you can write to me at franatruby.com. I hope you have a great rest of the week, and I hope you can join me again next month. Take care, everyone.